Hello everyone, I'm Bella. And I'm Olivia. And we're prevention educators for New Directions, the Domestic Violence Shelter and Rape Crisis Center of Knox County, Ohio. You're listening to our podcast, Table Talks. We hope that listening to this podcast gives you an inside look into the world of domestic violence. Throughout this series, you will hear from individuals from all walks of life, from preventionists and advocates to survivors themselves and many other allies. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about youth advocacy with Katie, and we are going to throw it over to her to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her position. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Katie. I'm the youth advocate here at New Directions. I've been here for about a year and like a couple months. I work with all ages from age two up to 18, and I love what I do, and I'm excited to be here today on this podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. We're excited to have you. Um, And we also like to ask everybody, just because the different answers are so interesting, why do you do this work? What got you into it? Hmm. So I do this work for multiple reasons. I love to be there for someone that's needing someone when they don't have someone. Mm -hmm. So especially with children during the trauma of domestic violence and sexual assault, they kind of feel alone. So I like being that person they feel safe with. And I think of myself as a helping hand. I will meet the clients where they are Mm -hmm. and I'll work with processing the trauma, but also I won't force that band-aid off of a wound until they're ready to talk about it. And I'll be here waiting for them. And then also I like working with the youth because they do deserve a voice and to feel safe. And from my previous job experience, I notice that children are just told to like follow the rules and like not to speak out or to talk about things that have happened and it's just kind of like a hush hush. Mm -hmm. So in this role, I'm helping reestablish relationships between parents and children, but also reestablishing safety and security and most importantly, allowing the kids to be kids Mm -hmm. instead of worrying about their parents. Yeah. Because a lot of times what I run into with parents and children is the children are worried about what the parents are doing, and the parents don't want them to be worried. But during the crisis and during the trauma, they just want to protect when something's going on. So that's why I love doing what I do. So I heard you mention the parents in that little explanation. So do you work just with the youth, or do you work with the parents as well? So, solely, I do work with this youth, but I do work with the parents also. Okay. Um, I help make it clear and understanding-wise for the parents when it comes to trauma. Mm-hmm. Because even if they're primary or secondary victims of it, sometimes they get swept underneath the rug. Yeah. So, making it aware to parents, like your child is needing to know that they're safe and they're secured and they're needing to know Mm -hmm. not about the situation but how can you move forward from the situation so I just talked to the parents about promoting safety and how can we make the child feel better at home than just with me during this hour session okay So there's a relationship with the parent but it's on behalf of the child or the youth that you're okay awesome 
So going off of that, can you talk about some of the services you offer to youth along with the parents? Yeah. So the services I offer with my one-on-one sessions with the youth and the parents is, one, providing advocacy for youth and families that are primary and secondary victims of domestic violence but also showing support and processing that trauma. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned before, like, help reestablish safety. But with youth, what I really work on is that increase of empowerment to know that their voice really, truly matters. And then also, like, processing the emotions from the trauma. From, and then self-regulation. And then guidance to regain freedom of being a child. So... I really focus on that within my services, but I am also part of the on-call rotation. So the on-call rotation is broken up among us four advocates, and how that works is we're on on on-call for about seven days, Mm -hmm. and 24-7, 365 days a year, and and during this, I'm providing services to youth, to adults, to police officers, to anyone that calls our hotline, that is my duty. So the youth advocate kind of gets blurred. It's more just an advocate for crisis. Okay. So basically, just because you may not be in the office, you could still be working if you're in that on-call rotation. Rotation. Is it hard to find a balance between in the office and working outside of the office? Like being a like the youth advocate and then on call. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can have your good weeks that you don't get a lot of calls. So then it's easier to separate. But, I mean, when we had to respond to the hospitals, that can be in the middle of the night at like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you could be there for two to three hours waiting in the waiting room or back in the exam room with the victim. But you still have to show up at work at 8 or 8.30 in the morning. So, you are pretty tired throughout that week. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're like IV of coffee yeah. because, like, it's just a, it's just a moment. Like, you never know what to expect when being on call. Mm-hmm. Like, one advocate be like, hey, it was an easy week. Like, we only got, like, ten calls in those seven days. And then others, you could be like, bam, 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 and wake up and you're just like, wow, it's already seven o'clock. I mean, for example, like one week I spoke too soon and I said, wow, it's been like a kind of like a not hard week on call. And then for the next like two days in a row, I got sexual assaults like every night and two in one night. So like I just think of being on call like another responsibility and I'm just doing my job like Mm -hmm. No one plans a crisis, and no one plans, like, hey, let's call 2 and one Or let's call 911. It's just getting that call at 2 a.m., like, that time doesn't even matter. It's just like, okay, let me wake up real quick. How can I help you? Yeah. Um, But I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what I signed up for. Like, it's my role, so. Well, I think that's a real skill and also that shows your passion for Mm -hmm. the work to be able to like I mean personally I would struggle to wake up from a dead sleep and then Mm -hmm. immediately go into Mm -hmm. work mode yeah so I think that's a a skill that you and then 
that our other advocates have. I appreciate your outlook on it, but also your willingness. It just sounds like you're ready for it. Yeah. So you're in the right field. So working in the field of trauma, there are two sides to every coin. Just like a child might struggle to connect with their parent after trauma, a parent could also struggle to connect with their child after experiencing trauma. So what tools do you use to help strengthen the connection between parents and child? So this is kind of a, this was an interesting question for me because of just being the youth advocate. Like I do work with the adults, but primary the youth is my concern. Mm-hmm. So before like even meeting with the youth, I meet with the parents. And during that I address any concerns or questions they have about their child and the program itself. And with that an intake process is given. So within that intake process, I'm asking certain questions to explain what the youth may have observed or their past triggers or their triggers now or even the goals the parents have for their child. Mm -hmm. And talking to the parent, most of the time, I get an idea of what the relationship is like with the parent and the child or the youth. Like... I get the idea of, like, oh, they have a good communication skill. Like, they're... Or some, you're like, there's a lot of frustration within that home. Mm-hmm. So, depending on the first session with the parent and their advice on connecting with their youth is what I try to do the first couple sessions with the youth. So, if the parent is telling me, like, they really just like to, like, color and draw and that's their way of coping, like, the first couple sessions, like, that's what we'll do like we'll just casually be drawing and like mm-hmm. having those basic conversations mm-hmm. and then it kind of just goes from there and I I ask the youth like hey do you want me to talk to your parent about what you've shared because they're in control so this is their time so if mm-hmm. they don't want to share what they've talked about unless it's like harming themselves or harming someone else mm-hmm. I don't really have to tell the parent what is discussed during the sessions unless there's like a sign or release of information to someone else and so really like it's up to the youth and if the parent wants to talk separately more about what they can do on their part yeah we can totally do that Uh and sometimes I even like doing relationship building activities with the parent and child so like for example I've been doing lately if it's like a teenager and a parent, I do a list of like qualities about each other and they have to read it out loud to each other. Oh wow. Because we kind of miss like hearing those like, mm-hmm. you're beautiful or you're kind or you're loving. We all thrive to hear those things because sometimes we don't say that about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that can open up a door for a relationship and for a parent to hear what their child has to think of them really empowers them and be like, I'm doing a really good job, even if there's trauma in the past or trauma Mm -hmm. now. So that's like one of the activities and tools I really try to use. Mm -hmm. And like in the middle of time, I'm meeting with the kid and the parent, so... It sounds like you're meeting the parents and the children where they are Mm -hmm. with all the activities you're doing. Yeah. That's cool. And then I have another quick question. So do you primarily work 
with youth on the topic of domestic violence and like sexual assault or do you work with youth on other topics like bullying or anything else kind of youth these days may encounter yeah so we talk about all different kind of topics so primarily when they come to see me it's for domestic violence or sexual assault Mm -hmm. but when you get in the deeper of it it's like oh someone's picking on me at school or like they like band-aids are slowly kind of coming off Mm -hmm. because we put so many on top of each other to protect ourselves that like it's like an onion too like you're peeling off the layers so like one by one you'll find out like okay wow like this totally makes sense on why you may feel disconnected Mm -hmm. or like being around males is a big trigger for you Mm -hmm. or like even females so I just think of it as like whatever the onion peels is what we're going to talk about so if it's unhealthy relationship or healthy relationships and um I mean topics that can go from giving consent to Mm -hmm. I mean there's all different layers that can come about and that's really cool that maybe a meeting that starts off as one thing can kind of become something bigger Something we want to end on is asking you about self-care, because we are big proponents of self-care, so we just want to know what you like to do in your free time. Yeah, so self-care to me is very important, especially in the work that we do, and being on the on-call rotation, it can get overwhelming, and it can be hard to not take work home with you, especially when you're on the Mm on-call rotation, Mm -hmm. because you're constantly with two phones, you know, making sure, like, you have a pen and paper. So, I've learned that it's okay to take time away from people and your phones and other distractions and just kind of breathe. And then, most importantly, like, I try to work out, like, four or five times a week at a local gym. And that's kind of, like, me kind of ending the day and be like, okay, I'm ending on a good note. Like, I feel good about myself. And most importantly, I enjoy going home and playing with my dogs. I have four dogs, so my house can be chaotic. And then, you know, my husband and my family, my friends kind of all keep me wrapped around, like, Mm -hmm. from personal to professional and, like, creating that boundary that can sometimes blend. I like to just take that moment at night and put my phone down and be like, all right, like, tomorrow's a new day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I've learned, too, from, like, my master program and things like that is, like, I... I have to be at the best I can be mm-hmm. so I can serve the people the best they deserve. Absolutely. And if I'm not where I'm supposed to be or I'm not where I'm mentally or physically feeling good about myself, how can I make someone else feel good yeah. physically mm-hmm. and mentally about themselves? So, like, yeah. that would be my advice to someone, too. Like, it's okay not to be okay sometimes, mm-hmm. but, like, you have to take care of yourself before you take care of someone else. Yeah, Absolutely. So. And that's used even if you're not in this work. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Like, that's all aspects, I feel. Yeah. We just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing and for also just meeting youth where they're at and also helping them to find a voice in the midst of trauma and just anything that they're going through. So thanks for being here. And we will see you all next time on our next podcast. Thank you.